We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Our class is getting smaller and smaller. I don't know what telling you all that does. And so we were speaking about repentance. And so if we switch over to the screen over here. Once again, nod, let me know you can see the, yeah, thank you. So the test of your sincerity is, can you say yes to all three of those questions? Do I regard the action that I did or I'm doing as wrong? Well, I did as wrong. Do I stop doing the action? And then do I hate to go back to the action the way I would hate to be thrown into a fire. And I got to admit, uh, where Dania looks like she is right now, I feel like talking really, really loud. Help me, help me. Anyway, so. <laughs> so these are regarding sins that I do against Allah. If I commit a sin or a crime against someone else, then there's a fourth test of my sincerity. And that is, do I reform or fix whatever it is that I need to fix? So if I, you know, stole money from Khurram, do I give him the money back? The, the basic test of reforming, if that is a possibility. Okay. Sometimes that is not a possibility. So here's the question. In your opinion... And the answer is more why or why not, not just yes or no. If I commit a wrong against you and I seek your forgiveness and you say no, should Allah forgive me if I seek Allah's forgiveness for what I've done to you? Or should the answer be no? Sadia. Oh, I was going to ask um, to repeat the question, if you don't oh, mind. Oh, sure. So let's say, you know, I do something mean to you. Let's say I punch you in the ear okay, for whatever particular reason. And then I seek your forgiveness and you refuse to give it to me. Right. Then. Can I expect or hope for forgiveness from Allah for hurting you? What are your thoughts? What would be, is there one approach that would be more or less fair? I would Ram. say, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I would say that uh, you have sincerity, right? So it means there is a value in front of Allah about uh, if, if uh, like of your sincerity and um, uh uh, being being uh, being the person who is asking for forgiveness or who, uh, I think he should expect that Allah Ta'ala will forgive okay. um regardless so so regarding the person that forgives or not that's a, that's still has a value in front of Allah so Allah still may on the day of judgment may may ask that um, do you forgive him or not okay all right and what if the person says no? Yeah, that is uh, 
That's the question. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Sadia, what's your take? Uh, so in dunya, um, I would ask for forgiveness. If they don't, then I would ask Allah for forgiveness and okay. hope that he will and make dua that he puts it in their hearts to heart to forgive me. But on the day of judgment, um, I would hope the same, okay, but hope it's is upon Allah's but it's it's upon Allah's discretion to forgive me or not seeing what my intention was if I made the change in my behavior how let's say you did let's say you did all of those things but the victim doesn't forgive you even on the day of judgment yeah so I would hope Allah will forgive me based on my track record afterwards yeah. Yeah. and I would just hope in his mercy and forgiveness okay I mean so that didn't give us an answer I mean that's for, oh. that's the answer for all of us should Allah forgive you oh so that was okay I I wouldn't expect a yes for that because okay I don't think I can control what Allah should or should not do I, I, but that even applies would, for when we're seeking forgiveness from Allah right you're, you're, doing mass, you're doing a masterful job of almost answering the question so okay so let's say I do something wrong like I skip a prayer and I ask Allah to forgive me and I'm fully sincere right hopefully like you're saying Allah will forgive me okay but let's say I do something wrong to you and and I'm sincere, I show my sincerity and everything, and you refuse to forgive me, should I have the same amount of uh, hope or expectation that Allah will forgive me? Or would it be more fair that no, if you don't forgive me, then why would Allah forgive me? Any other thoughts? I mean, we, we don't have to put all the pressure on Saudi to answer this. Zishan, what do you think? Well, you, you may not have heard the whole. Example. I have just arrived. Okay. So the scenario where we're addressing is, let's say I do something wrong regarding a law, like I skip a fast, and I regret it, and I seek his forgiveness, and I hope he'll forgive me, yeah? What about if I do something wrong to you, and I express sincerity and everything, and you're even convinced I'm sincere, but you refuse to forgive me. That is okay. Is it fair for Allah to override you and forgive me? Yes. Okay. Why? Are you good? Because he knows better, Allah knows best. Okay, because he's Allah. Okay, fine, fine. All right. <laughs> Danya, what do you think? Or Shayla? I think um, when so when you you can hear me, okay? Yes. Okay. Um, could, when... uh, could the people you were talking to hear me when I was like, "Help me, help me"? Yeah. I did have to lower the the volume. Of yeah. So I, I always deal um, with my daughter in the same situation, but yeah. And no, it's 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 good. It was 
it was very amusing. Um, but so uh, first I have a question. When you um, like transgress against like another person, do you get a sin for transgressing that person in addition to like, or I don't know how to phrase my question properly. Um, like, is there a portion that Allah has to forgive and that person has to forgive? Or is it just a portion that that person has to forgive? Uh, if it's individual, then it seems that it's on the victim. If it's public, mm -hmm. then it might be multiple levels of sin. Gotcha. Yeah. So if it's on the individual level, if it's one other person, I mean, like Allah gives you that, that, I mean, I think there's encouragement to forgive, but there certainly, I don't think is a. So let's say you say, no, I do not. Let's say I believe you're sincere and remorseful, but I am not going to forgive. I mean, that's, that's your prerogative. You don't have okay. to forgive me. But is it fair for Allah to override you and forgive me? That's the okay. question. I don't know if it's like blasphemous to say this, honestly, but like, no. Say I it anyway. Like... We won't tell anybody, even though this is recorded, this will be on the internet for the entire world here. Yeah. Um. No, I feel like Allah, that's a, like Allah gives you that, like ownership of that. So no, like Allah doesn't okay. forgive upon another person. Like Allah gives that right to you. Okay. Um. So no, but like, in the court, I was laughing when when Sadia was like based on your track record. Inshallah, if your track record is good, then Allah yeah. will um, grant you mercy in other ways so that that doesn't overwhelm your balance on the day of judgment. Okay, all right, sure, sure, all right, Shayla. Um, I I think I have a similar answer to a lot of people. Like that's my tendency is to say like you know Allah forgives when he wants to forgive irregardless of what other people whether they forgive or not but I somehow vaguely have a feeling and a recollection that we might have discussed this in previous years and you asked this question and I think we're leading to the opposite answer um, such that like actually Allah wants the person to forgive you before he forgives you Mm -hmm. There's something in my mind that's telling like me that. that. I don't... Oh, by the way, you used the word irregardless. And even though you didn't ask for forgiveness for using this non word, I forgive you. But anyway, so <clears throat> any other thoughts? Anyone else? All of you people with no cameras on. So I go, I. I Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. I kind of like feel the same thing, like, um, inshallah, like, like you. I feel like you say something like plus here. Um, but regardless, I feel like, you know, um, Allah is the most merciful and all of us will go to Jannah by his mercy. Not like Inshallah. Inshallah. Sure. sure. And then um, we can ask forgiveness to a person that we've wronged, but then, you know, decision making um, just like, you know, like Allah, Allah will, will the one that decide. Okay. Another fan, fantastic way of avoiding answering the question. Well, you're all you're all master master theologians here, mashallah. Right? Any other, anyone else? So it seems the majority opinion, however, among theologians is no. If I wrong a person, they don't forgive me. Allah will not forgive me until and unless they forgive me. But keep in mind that is speculation. Allah knows best. 
So I think some point, did we go through all like the, the phases of the Day of Judgment, the parts of the Day of Judgment in this class? No, we didn't. All right, let's do that in this class. We did it in the uh, Al-Fatiha class. So uh, let me... Uh, Sadia, yes. I was just thinking that since we all are hoping that Allah will forgive us, it's like a husnizan. Fair enough. Yeah, sure, Allah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah, we'll all get the mercy of Allah and all this stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, I say that in sincerity, not in mockery. So, in terms of the uh, the general steps of the day of judgment. Uh, only Allah knows. <clears throat> this is a common understanding of the steps that will take place in the Day of Judgment. One is essentially the horns and resurrection. So everyone who has ever lived will be dead. Uh, if there are people alive, the angel that announces the Day of Judgment will blow a horn and whether it's audible to humans or not, Allah knows best, but everyone who's alive will die. And then we'll blow a second horn, and everyone who has ever lived will be resurrected right down to their fingertips. So people who died 10,000 years ago, including people who died 10 minutes ago, everyone will be resurrected right down to their fingertips. And then there will be this mass gathering or in fact, let's add first just the waking up, the chaos moment. That we find in the Quran, for example, uh, in the surah of the earthquake near the end, where you wake up literally in the worst earthquake in the history of the earth, and you are so terrified, you don't care about anybody, don't care about your own children. And you are just looking for safety. And then we have the earth stabilizing or reforming. And then we have this massive gathering of all of humanity. Uh, how many humans have there been in the existence of the earth? I mean, right now there's like 8 billion, but total how many have there been? I, I heard somewhere like 14 billion humans. No. And so everyone will be in this giant mass, this giant crowd of people, recognizing that it's the day of judgment. And some people will be recognizing what may be their destination on the bad side. And so they will sweat and sweat and sweat in fear. And the narrations get kind of graphic. Some people will sweat to the point that they almost drown. Some people sweat to the point that they actually start bleeding. Uh, and then we will have this phase where someone will get the idea of going to Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, like, hey, there's Prophet Adam, and asking him for help. Can you help us? He's going to feel bad because we're all his children. And he's going to say, no, I can't help you here. Maybe he can. And he's pointing to Noah, peace be upon him. And then this massive crowd races towards him. Sorry, I can't help you. Maybe he can. And then we go to Ibrahim, peace be upon him. And literally, we're going prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet until we get to prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And then prophet Muhammad will then do a sajda, a prostration, 
that will be give or take about a week long. And then he will get up, and at the time he gets up, it is the arrival of Allah. You'll be carried on this throne, and whatever that means. And that will begin the day of judgment. And then from there, it's the person-to-person accounting. So each of us will have our, our bank account, so to speak, of wealth, which is essentially your good deeds and your bad deeds. And imagine them in units of hasanat, sayyat. Okay. Good deeds, bad deeds. And we're all going to be going around in a complete accounting where everything that is owed is paid back. And again, we've discussed it a couple of times. I'll be paying you, if I wronged you, with my hasanat. If I run out of hasanat, then my method of paying you is you're going to give me some of your sayyat, your bad deeds. Until complete equilibrium has been established. So imagine the architect of a genocide. Even if that person was super pious, made all the prayers and such, think of how fast all their wrong is going to be paid off. Or paid, uh, paid all their good is going to be paid away. So. 120 billion, really? Well, okay. So then, <clears throat> once that is completed, then there is accounting before Allah. Or accounting with Allah. This is where we get into the acts of worship. The first big question is going to be about the condition of your prayers. If your prayers are solid, this whole period will, inshallah, be okay. If not, then this whole period may or may not be okay. It'll be a lot more vulnerable. That's the value of your prayers. To give you an idea of how valuable the prayers are, and I still got to pray out, sir. Zina, as big of a sin as that is, skipping a prayer is a bigger sin. Now, don't like twist this and say, Mozaffer says that. All right, I've skipped prayers, so eh, I can commit Zina too. Yeah. So, but that's how big the prayer's value is. Yeah. And so the accounting before Allah takes place, and the experience we will have there is that it's as though paradise and hell are literally in front of us. And as we're going through our lives, one is going to start feeling like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then another one might, the other one start might start feeling like it's getting closer. And then when that accounting is done, then it is time for the bridge, the sirat. So even when we're praying, you know, guide us on the straight path, another interpretation of the straight path is this path, the bridge. And and the way it's described is that on the other side of the bridge is the prophet, peace be upon him, and his fountain waiting for us. But below the bridge is like that scene from Indiana Jones, but below the bridge is the pit of hell. And hell is hungry. And so hell sends out claws to pull us off. 
if we don't fall off. So for some people, the experience on the bridge will be that it is very wide and easy to cross. And for others, it'll feel like it's as thin as a hair, sharp as a knife. And it'll be a room of darkness, but you will have the light from your face from doing wudu over the course of your lifetime. And so if you are destined to go to hell, it'll be pretty much impossible for you to make it to the other side. And then, and so this is based on a combination of eyes and hadith, yeah. The bulk of it is hadith, you know. And so then from there, uh, you will, uh, if you go to hell, then you'll be going to your place to start paying off whatever you need to pay off. If you go to heaven, you reach the prophet, peace be upon him, who is welcoming you there. Then you bathe in the fount. And then you go to your specific place in paradise. So those of you who remember like the first day of school, where you might be looking for your locker or your classroom, just imagine the heaven version of that. And you're looking for your specific place of paradise until you arrive there. And then you settle. The people in hell who have to pay off what they need to pay off and completely pay it off, then they go to heaven. And so let's add entry. And then those people who go to heaven will then find their place. And then the last person who is entering heaven is going to say to Allah, the whole place is full. And Allah is going to tell him to, I don't know why I'm assuming it's a man. Let's assume it's a man. And Allah, especially in a lot of the discussions we've had for the last few days, uh, Allah is going to tell this person, okay, go to your place. And then the person is going to say to Allah, okay, are you making fun of me? There's no space here. But that person will be given a paradise that is 10 times the size of the earth. Read it literal, metaphorical, Allah knows best. Everything that I shared, literal, metaphorical, Allah knows best, but this is the general map. And so bringing this back to the point of repentance, where we left off, that repentance here is for people who do wrong out of ignorance, be jahalat. And then they repent soon afterwards. These are the ones Allah will forgive, which raises a lot of questions. Oh, Shelly, your question is the entire process involving our body along with our soul. Uh, the understanding is that it is your body and that everyone will be resurrected either in the condition they were before they died or at the equivalent same age. And there seem to be different answers for what all those things mean. Or, what if in that dimension, your soul is as physical as our body, physical body is in this dimension? Allah knows best. Right. So, so here's the question. <clears throat> the ayah seems to say, your sin is only forgiven if you do it out of ignorance and you ask for forgiveness right away. As opposed to, suppose you know this is wrong and you still do it. Or you don't get around to asking for forgiveness until, you know, 40 years later. 
What do you think? So this is also explored by theologians with different answers. So, but God only undertakes to forgive, although the only isn't really, well, in the ma, eh, okay, only takes to forgive, except repentance from those who do evil out of ignorance and soon repent afterwards. These are the ones Allah will forgive. He is all-knowing wise. If we go to the next ayah, it is not true repentance when people continue to do evil until death confronts them, and then they say, now I repent. Nor when they die defiant, we have prepared painful torment for them. And I think that's, yeah. Okay, any thoughts? This ayah seems to, say, uh, seems to indicate that the window for forgiveness is very narrow and limited to a few situations. Like, you don't know you're doing wrong. Sheila. So I think that um, there's room for interpretation here that would not necessarily mean that you have to do it immediately after yeah. um, whatever sin you commit, but more so like after you realize, after you come to a realization in your heart that that was wrong. Um, so it might be that, you know, you realize that 30 years later mm -hmm. and then don't dwell on it further. Don't, you know, say, well, I know this was wrong. Should I ask for forgiveness? At that point, I think that's a shorter period. Okay. Um, that works. That's my understanding. Inshallah. Anyone else? Reflections on the window. Quran. So going to the word of ignorance. Yeah. So can we, so, so it says that, uh, so whenever, is it, is it like the case that um, whenever someone commits an evil, uh, there is an element of ignorance in that? So that is a very common understanding. A common understanding is that in the act of doing wrong, you're in a state of jahala. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and 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 you are even though you, maybe you are repeating it yes because yeah. you you are not able to uh, get uh, reformed actually yes so if we read this literally it sounds like it sounds like you're only going to get forgiven if you didn't know it was wrong yeah but the way the argument goes the way this counter argument goes is that when you're committing a sin, your iman leaves you. Yes. And then when you completed committing the sin and you go back to good behavior, your iman returns. So that's an actual hadith narration. Yeah. Thus, from there, the, the, then the, the scholars argue that if your iman is leaving you in that moment, then you are in a state of jahalat, jahiliya, ignoramusness, ignorance. Yeah. And thus, they're saying pretty much every sin is done in this state. As opposed to someone who willfully knows it's wrong, feels no temptation to do so, and they still do it. That's different. Like when we use the term shaitan, you know, which is like the favorite term for Desi parents to call their child out of love, that... Uh, shaitan literally essentially means someone who knows right and wrong and they voluntarily choose to do wrong. Right? That's a shaitan. Right? Shaitan, right? So, so the point here 
is that that is a common reading. And then the soon after, one way to read it is that these are the people who are definitely getting forgiveness. But to clarify, akin to Shayla's point, but even wider in Rahma than Shayla's point, is essentially if we say, okay, it is not true repentance when people continue to do wrong until death confronts them, and then they say now they repent, nor when they die defiant, we prepare a torment, painful torment for them. If you read this as the inverse, what we infer is that the door for repentance is always open, except at the moment of your death. And so the big repentance is disbelief. And then the smaller repentance would be of the big sins, and the small repentance from there will be of the small sins, even if they were centuries ago in your lifetime. Well, I mean, years ago, decades ago. So, so from that perspective, we may argue that those who do repentance right away, but very soon after, they're guaranteed forgiveness. But the open door for forgiveness is your whole life until your moment of death. Makes sense? And it is what we commonly teach anyway. You know. If it makes sense, then here's the follow-up question. What if I'm at the moment that I know I'm going to die? Yeah. So let's say I'm in an earthquake and I see a skyscraper about to fall on me. Like literally, like, okay, this is it. I'm about to die. Should I seek forgiveness then or is it too late like i know i'm going to die right now seek forgiveness why because you don't like because the mercy of god yeah exactly uh i should still seek forgiveness even if it seems like it's completely late what's being illustrated here is someone who knows you're going to die and they're basically trying to still escape sabrine Okay, so I know I missed like the first 20 minutes, so I'm not sure if you remember this. So what happens if you know you're doing wrong and you continue to do wrong because you think God won't forgive you? Or I don't know, just the oh. become like a, it's no longer become a nag, but even though if it's brought up, like you just you feel guilty but out of sight out of mind i guess i don't know how to say that so if someone is continuing to do wrong because they think allah is not going to forgive them that's very bad they're overriding god it's basically despair mm. and so there's uh an ayah uh, in surah al-baqarah uh, where these people are saying to the prophet peace be upon it's too late for us right our hearts are just wrapped up in our wrongdoing. There's no hope for us. And then the response to that, Allah curses them. Like, you know, the word la'nat, which is another yeah. word that you know, a lot of people enjoy. La'nat bi kufrihim. Allah is cursing them for their kufr. Because what is kufr? Rejection of faith, but essentially it's a statement of despair in the mercy of God. So if someone is committing sins and they truly believe they're not going to be forgiven, that is, by definition, rejection of faith. Yeah. And someone who's basically saying, yeah, there's no mercy in God. That's very bad. Yeah. So a person should always be asking for forgiveness, even if they feel like, okay, I can't get this monkey off my back. 
as far as I can see, I've tried everything. I'm doomed. Uh, I can't. I'm never going to be able to stop this. They should keep asking for forgiveness. So there's one story of a person who is facing a law on the day of judgment and then is sentenced to hell. And he has this look of disappointment. And then he's asked, why do you look so disappointed? And he says, essentially, I knew I was going to hell, but I was hoping for the mercy of Allah. I was still hoping for that. Oh, I heard of that. And so then he's granted it. And this other story that, that I like sharing of this person who's facing Allah on the day of judgment. And he's literally saying, yeah, Allah, why are we wasting my time? Uh, you know, I'm going to hell. And then he's told, nope, you have to go to accounting just like everybody else. Why, Allah, why are you embarrassing me in front of everyone? They're going to see everything I've done. And then they go through his accounting. And then there's this moment where he's reminded, okay, this person came to you for help and you gave them half a glass of water. Yes. And they were so grateful that they did such a powerful prayer for your forgiveness that it overrided all of your sins. And so we absolutely should never give up on the mercy of Allah, which is also saying we should never give up on ourselves. Make sense? Yeah. Zishan. Nothing? All right. So here we're speaking about repentance. So the person who is seeking repentance at the end of life, which is basically saying, yeah, I'm going to live my life whatever way I want. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do all the haram, whatever. I don't care about hurting people. And then I'll just seek repentance in the last second. That person is probably doomed. <laughs> but uh, even that person should still ask for forgiveness. Meaning essentially what's being said is that it's not a sincere prayer. Yeah. And so you should never give up on the mercy of Allah. That's essentially what the whole tradition is all about. Any other questions about anything at all? Nothing else? I did have another question, but I forgot. Inshallah, Sabrina will remember. Wow, inshallah, she will remember. Anyone else? All righty. So next ayahs, tomorrow, inshallah, we'll be returning back to uh, gender-related issues. Uh, we're probably going to go kind of quickly through them, except to point out some things that might be immediately relevant. I mean, the next eye is basically saying you're not allowed to inherit women against their will uh, or nor swap wives and such. But uh, we'll also uh, pull in some uh, principles that are also part of those ayahs. All right. If there's nothing else, and if Sabrina's question doesn't come to your mind, then we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk All right may Allah tell reward you all and we will continue inshallah tomorrow Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh